Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and I'm sorry I'm posting a little bit later than normal. Um, I really like to have episodes go up uh, midnight on Mondays, but we had some very uh, dangerous weather where I live um, recently, so I was not able to record when I was wanting to, unfortunately. But thank you all for your patience. And this week, we're going to address a question that I get very frequently, um, from you lovely listeners as well as on social media and just in my personal life as well and this question is basically some version of how do i know if i'm being called by a god um if i am being called by a god how do i know who it is is such and such thing that happened a sign from a god etc um so we're going to talk about how to know if you're being called by a god how do you respond to that and then kind of just what that even means so Let's define that before we kind of continue, what it actually means to be called. So Christianity, um, particularly the American evangelical flavor of Christianity, says something along the lines of you're not a real Christian unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus or like your walk with Jesus or your friendship with Jesus, etc., um, and this idea that you have to have like a close personal relationship with a deity for your religion or your faith or your practice to be valid, um, that's not really an idea that was present in pagan cultures in antiquity or even in contemporary times. Um, that is very much kind of a modern take on very specific kinds of Christianity, but because the West is so steeped in Christian thinking, um, it's very common to hear that said still. So this evangelical idea that everyone has to have a personal Jesus, um, that was unknown to the ancient polytheists. It has no place in contemporary paganism or polytheism either, in my opinion. And in the past, when you guys have heard me talk about paganism and just kind of most spiritual traditions in general, both in the modern day and in antiquity, when I say that doing is more important than believing, this is kind of an example of one of those times. So being called by a god or by different gods is not required. If a god or several gods speak to you, that's awesome. It certainly happens. It can happen. It does happen. It's a very important part of many people's spiritual lives, but it is not this Necess uh, like necessary vital thing that um, evangelical Christianity has kind of portrayed it to be. So if the gods call you, that's amazing. If not, that's great too. And we honor them anyway. We can embody their virtues and we can help build a world that reflects their values. So it is your actions that make your paganism, not your experiences only. And that's not to say that your experiences are not important, because of course they are. But you don't have to have this like divine revelatory moment of being called by a god or goddess for your paganism to be valid. So basically, being called means that you are being asked by this deity to live or behave or do things at a higher level of expectation than just a casual devotee or a passerby. Um, being called means that you're asked or even required potentially to perform certain actions and to live in certain ways above and beyond what is expected of those that are not called. 
And the reasons why may or may not be explained um, because the gods have agency, they have sovereignty, they have their own motivations and reasons for doing things. And that is not always clear to us. So being called by a god or by gods can be great, um, but it's not like winning a raffle, winning a prize, being given a present. It's it's serious. It requires real commitment from you. It requires real tangible action. You know, we don't just say, I was called by Aphrodite and then we do nothing. If it's a real, genuine, authentic call from a deity, that is, it is going to require something of you. So let's talk about how you can know if you are being called or if you have been called. And of course, there's no like one surefire by the book way to know because this is going to be very subjective. It's going to vary from person to person, from deity to deity. It's widely subjective. and Everyone's experiences with this are going to be different. So if what you have experienced is not lining up exactly with what I'm saying, that's totally fine. And that doesn't mean that you're not being called. I'm just going to give what I have found to be three really common ways this can be a sign. And I've noticed this in my personal life and then just in the lives of others that I have talked to as well. So the first sign is going to be reoccurring symbolism. Um, maybe you see symbols of a deity just everywhere you go. Let's say it's Zeus, for example, and you see lightning bolts on things. You see eagles everywhere either in real life or imagery of them. You have dreams of them, etc. Um, and this needs to like be out of the ordinary, right? It, if you see a rabbit, that's not automatic, automatically a sign from a deity because it could just be that rabbits happen to live in the area. It could just be that a rabbit is there. So you want to keep in mind that if you're seeing an animal specifically, that you think might be representative of a deity or a sign from a deity, make sure it's behaving in a way that is not typical of that animal. Um, or maybe you, you find an animal where you don't expect to find one. Maybe I'll stick with the rabbit example. Maybe you live in an area where rabbits don't usually live. So if you see rabbits a lot or reoccurringly, then that is significant and it's going to stand out because that's not usually something that would happen. So... It is important, and I want to double down on this, it's important that they behave in ways that are not the usual for them. Animals are sovereign beings in the same way that humans are, and they have their own motivations and reasons for doing things. And I really don't think that the chief focus of any animal is going to be bringing a message to a human. So before you decide that something in nature is like a sign or an omen of something, make sure it's not just ordinary animal behavior. So with that in mind... If you do see animals in an area that you wouldn't expect to, if they're behaving in a way that's not normal, if you are continually seeing the imagery related to a certain god, then it's probably more significant. If you feel like it's something beyond just like a random chance, it probably is. It's probably deeper than that. So the second way is um, a consistent sense of presence. And if you haven't experienced the presence of a deity before, this is not really something that you can explain. It's kind of just something you have to experience and know. So for those of you that haven't experienced that, there's not really a way to put it to words. But if you have experienced it, then you know exactly what I mean. So maybe there's a voice in your head. Maybe there are thoughts that you know are not coming from you. 
maybe um, you can just feel the presence of something with you that is tangible. And of course, always rule out the mundane explanations first. And for disclaimer reasons, obviously, if you are having symptoms of a mental health problem, you need to seek that out. But with that in mind, I'm obviously talking about religious experience. So maybe you have a dream, maybe you have visions, etc. And it won't happen just one or twice. Maybe it happens over and over again. Um, I think the society that we live in really values material things. And we live in a culture that tells us to explain these things away. Or it tells us to look for reasons why it's not true or why it didn't happen. So we'll say that we made it up or that we imagined it, um, that that thing we saw at the corner of our eye wasn't really there. That dream didn't mean anything. It was just nonsense. So it's kind of a fine line between not taking everything that happens naturally as a sign versus explaining the sign away. And I think we have to kind of walk that journey and find that happy medium between this is beyond ordinary circumstances. This is significant. It's not just that I live around crows naturally, but something significant is happening and I'm not going to explain it away, if that makes sense. So, of course, be wise, have common sense, and search out some mundane explanations first. But if it's clearly something beyond that, then I don't think you need to doubt yourself. So if your experiences defy mundane explanation, then it's probably likely that you were hearing from a god or a spirit, whatever, what have you. Um, the third sign is just that the... So the first one was the symbolism. The second one was um, the presence. So the third one is introduction, meaning the actual deity is going to introduce themselves to you. They will make themselves known. They will make it obvious. They will make it something that you cannot deny or explain away or talk yourself out of. They're going to show up in a very obvious way to you and obviously i'm not going to prescribe like specific ways this can happen because it's going to be very very different for everyone but you will know if a deity shows up and just makes it plainly obvious that that's what's happening um this might happen later in a relationship it might be a very very long time um i think sometimes we have encounters with deities first and that's kind of the starting point into developing a relationship with them and I think sometimes we just develop a relationship first and then the signs come after. And there's not a right or wrong way to do that. Um, I will use myself as an example. I started a devotion to Freya um, probably fairly close to like over a year ago now. And nothing. I didn't hear from her. I didn't feel like I felt her presence. I didn't feel like I had signs or messages from her. But then... I just kind of kept doing what I was doing. I kept building that relationship on reciprocity. I would pray to her. I would give her offerings. Um, and then eventually she made herself known in like a very big way. So if you feel like something's not happening on the timeline that you've kind of set for yourself in your head, that's okay. Um, so we've talked about some ways that we can understand, first of all, what a call actually is, and then some examples of how that call might take place. And again, those are just three examples. Those are not the only ways or the only right ways. Those are just three examples that I seem to think are kind of common. Um, so let's talk about now, how do we respond? Because 
having experienced the call is only one thing because we have to actually do something about it after it's happened. So no matter what the signs are, we have to pay attention. We have to listen. We have to avoid the temptation of trying to explain everything right away, of trying to make sense of everything right away. Um, Because a lot of these things are revealed over time. Right. So if a deity is introducing themselves to you, if they're giving you signs, if they're inviting you into a relationship with them, they're probably not going to explain everything on day one. It might be gradual as they share things with you. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll never really be explained all the way. And that's okay too. But avoid the urge to interpret everything right away. At least wait until the actual experience is over, because if you get stuck and lingering and trying to figure things out so much, you're probably going to miss them actually speaking to you and explaining things. So all of that to say, if a god or gods are speaking to you, you need to know when to listen. And then you might ask, I have these signs, I'm having this call, I've experienced something, but who is it? Who am I being called by? And I think a lot of the times we like to think this is a super clear cut and dry thing, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes the gods do not announce themselves by name. Um, And who knows, maybe that's just inviting us to kind of put one of our feet forward, right? Maybe they put one of their feet forward by um, introducing themselves. Now it's up to us to kind of meet them in the middle and do some digging and some researching. Um, Or maybe they just don't think it's that important that you know their name. You know, like many beings, spirits, etc., there's power in knowing a name. Maybe they're not just going to throw that name around um, lightly. But regardless of why, um, it's probably pretty likely that you would realize that you're being called before you know who is calling you. And that was definitely um, my experience a couple times. Uh, particularly with the Lady of the Moon. I'm not going to like go into that story because I've talked about it a lot. <laughs> but uh, she definitely came to me before I knew who she was. And that did require a lot of time and patience and waiting, listening and researching to find that out. Like if they show up and say, boom, I'm this, my name's this, that's great. But that's certainly not something that happens every time. And I would not even say that it's something that happens often. So... Maybe you have some general characteristics, right? There's a lot of deities. There are a lot of pantheons. So some of the symbols and imagery you could be getting could maybe apply to a lot of things, right? Maybe you're getting a lot of lunar imagery. Is it Artemis? Is it Diana? Is it Hecate? Is it Isis? Um, Etc. Just for example. So keep that in mind that it is going to require some effort on your end. And that can look like researching. Obviously, you know, Myths, if they're, you know, if we're fortunate enough to have a lot of written mythology about that particular deity that you think, um, and research modern stuff too. I'm not saying you take everything at face value, but how do modern worshipers engage with them? What have modern devotees said about this God, how they present themselves, and what is their relationship like? And look into that. Also, keep in mind safety. And I'm not going to talk about safety because I've talked about it a lot and I have some specific episodes on safety with spirits, but. While I do believe the gods are good and that they are um, virtuous, so to speak, I do think that lesser spirits sometimes lie. So keep in mind that while a god can totally introduce themselves by name to you if they want, um, be aware that there are things that want to trick you. 
and can take advantage of that. So discernment is required with this. And research, again, this is there's a reason that like witches and pagans are considered to be bookish. Sometimes it's not just because we're natural readers and we love reading so much. Some of us do, but sometimes it's because we have to figure shit out. We have to figure out who's talking to us and why. We have to learn about what we're doing. You know, we don't have the luxury that Christians do where we can just walk to any street corner and go to a church and ask questions. Um, not all of us are that fortunate to have resources like that. So do your homework. Start with ancient stories and myths. Read scholarly works on how our ancestors understood and worshipped their gods. Talk to their contemporary devotees. Um, I do think we're very fortunate now with the internet where we can probably find at least one or two devotees if most deities. Um, if they're active in the world right now, they probably have a few people following them. And they will probably be happy to answer the questions that you have as best they can. Yes, you'll run into people that maybe don't know a whole lot, or they maybe will not be honest about how much they know. But again, discernment. Um, and after a while, you'll kind of probably be able to tell who is legit and who is not. But these modern day experiences with these gods are what shapes contemporary polytheism and paganism. And that's important as well. So rely on the ancient, rely on the modern as well in a way that is reasonable and that is um, discerning. And the more you know about the deity that you think it could be, the better job you can do at figuring out how closely that matches up with what you're experiencing in this calling. So next, let's talk about what are you being called to do or what are you being called to be? So once you determine that a God is calling you, the next question is kind of, what am I being called for? Um, the gods do not exist for our benefit. They are their own beings. They have sovereignty and agency over themselves. They have their own desires and plans and motivations. They do not exist only to show up for you. So what are they asking you to do or be? Um, I think a lot of us assume that if we're being called by a god, that means we're supposed to like become um, a priestess or a priest. And that's great. And I'm that is probably true for some people. Um, there is a priesthood that I'm a part of for that reason. But that is only one possibility. Priesthood is not the default relationship between humans and deities. It is one specific type of relationship. It is a formal commitment to a set of duties and responsibilities, and it needs to be taken seriously. You do not commit to a priesthood to any god or gods lightly. That is a very serious, serious commitment. Um, if you do think you're being called to a priest, that is great. And I might even make a specific episode on that about pagan priesthood and kind of what that can entail. But it's okay if you're not called to a priesthood. Maybe that's not what they're calling you to. Maybe you have no desire to be a priestess or a priest, and that's okay. There are many wonderful, beautiful, sacred, holy callings that are not priesthood. Maybe they're just calling you to be a devotee, right? You're just going to honor them and commune with them without taking on the responsibilities of the formal priesthood, right? Uh, I am a part of a priesthood. I'm a priest of two very specific deities and that is it and if any of you have been listening to this show for a little while you know that i definitely 
worship more than two gods. So I have devotional relationships with others. I am a devotee of several deities. I am a priest of only two. So there is nothing wrong with having a devotional relationship that is not a formal priestly commitment. Maybe you are being called to perform a specific task. Maybe there's something that the God needs or wants you to do that you are particularly um, qualified for. And maybe they're just asking you to step into a relationship with them. So let, let's look at this example. Let's say you uh, move somewhere new and you go next door to your neighbor and you knock on the door, you say hello, you introduce yourself. They're probably not going to ask you to do something for them. They're probably not going to ask you to borrow something or to come into your house. They're probably just going to introduce themselves and see if there's a possibility that you and this neighbor can be friends. Right? Because I think, generally speaking, and we can talk more about this, the gods do care for us and they do want us to succeed and they do desire good things for us. And it could be that you're being called just to acknowledge the deities. They're acknowledging you and just meet them at that place of friendship and then see what comes later. And maybe later on that'll change. Maybe first it's just a, a casual kind of reciprocal acknowledgement. And then maybe later on you do decide to be a more serious devotee, or maybe later on you do feel like you need to be part of the priesthood, but that stepping stone of friendship is great and it's the beginning of other things as well and it's also just an important uh dynamic in its own right so we've talked about how to know if we're being called and how to research and maybe the things that we could be being called to now let's talk about how we respond so particularly um at the beginning parts of when you're starting to feel that maybe you're being called by a god Things maybe are not going to be super transparent or specific. You, you might know what you're being called to or for, but maybe you don't know why, right? So meditate. Um, and there's not like one surefire way to meditate that's perfect for everyone, but do what works for you. And I don't necessarily mean like, oh, I have to silence my thoughts and sit still for 20 minutes, but just have some time of quiet contemplation and think about the deity that you feel you're being called by. It doesn't have to be some long, elaborate, formal written prayer. You can just kind of take a minute, a minute, <laughs> take a minute and kind of quiet your thoughts and just say, hey, insert God name. Um, I'm just thinking of you. I'm devoting this time and my thoughts to you in this moment and just kind of direct your thinking to them. Um, and that's all you really need to do, I think then maybe you th that will give you answers. Meditate on that. See how that time feels and fits in with the things that you've already experienced. If that starts to make sense and you feel like you have some clarity and some answers, that's great. And if not, keep doing it. Maybe it'll be quick. Maybe it'll take a long time. But over time, you're going to build up that reciprocity and it's going to start making sense. So discerning the call is only the first part. And now we do have to take the action because like the gods are sovereign beings with agency over themselves, we are sovereign beings with agency over ourselves as well. You have the option to say no. And this is something that I do not hear talked about nearly enough in magical spaces and pagan spaces. Um, 
you are in charge of yourself and your own life. You are allowed to say no just because you have caught the attention of some deity or spirit or being does not mean you are obligated to commit to that if you do not want to. With that being said, I do think the gods have better things to do than to give us special attention. So if you are being singled out as an individual by these beings that are much higher and older and wiser than us, I think that's definitely worth giving some attention to. But you are under no obligation to do anything that you do not want to do. These are not Old Testament Bible God that will smite you for not listening to them. You can say no. And most gods will take no for an answer. They would probably rather go find someone else who would be eager to do what they're asking than to try and convince you to do something that you don't want to do. You can say no. And the reason I say most gods will take no for an answer and not all is because some of them might not. There is that chance that maybe they will not take no for an answer. Um, so if you find yourself in that situation, that is where some negotiation and some give and take kind of comes in. Maybe that means you limit your commitment. I will do this thing, but not that thing. Or I will do this for a month and then we can reevaluate from there. You're kind of negotiating. If they say, do this, or honor me, or I want offerings, or whatever, and you're not comfortable doing that, try it out for a week. Maybe you'll be surprised, and it'll just feel right, and it'll be great, and you want to keep doing it, or maybe it won't, and you can move on. Or if I want, if you want me to do this, then you do this for me, and it's okay. It is not this Christian understanding where God is just something that can never be questioned, or you're horrible and awful argue with the gods. It's fine. When we look at ancient polytheistic cultures, the relationships with the gods were always built on reciprocity, meaning it's reciprocal. I will give the gods offerings, they will keep me safe. I will give the gods offerings and they will keep my loved ones healthy. I will give the gods offerings and they will bless me, etc. So it is totally within reason and within respect to say, hey, if you want me to do this, then I will do this for you. Or you're asking me to do something, but I want you to do something for me. There's no guarantees, of course, that that condition will be accepted. But it's totally fine to ask. It's totally fine to communicate that way. So if you're uncomfortable um, arguing or negotiating with the gods, find a priest of them or a devotee of them. Because a, a large role of priesthood, and I'm going to talk about this in a separate episode, is that they are mediators. They are mediators between the people and the gods. That does not mean that you can't go to the gods yourself without a priest, because you totally can. Uh, a priest or a priestess, you totally can. But sometimes when we have a, a priesthood that is specifically equipped to do that, it can be easier and better and safer to use them to intercede on your behalf in situations like that. Another way you can respond is divination. Tarot, oracle cards, runes, scrying, etc., whatever divination method that you prefer. Um, divination is not necessarily going to tell you what to do, but it can give you an idea of what things might be like if you pick one thing instead of another thing. So the choice of how to respond to the call of a god is ultimately up to you. But just know these are some ways that you can kind of discern from that. And I hope this gives some clarity to something that can oftentimes be a very, very confusing and overwhelming situation. 
So that is all I have for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next time.